Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. It is a great time to be rocking some red in the district over this week. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast. Bobby Blanco here, rocking my own red, my capital sweater. Thank you so much for tuning in, making us a part of your uh, Wednesday afternoon. Happy hump day. Hopefully, we're bridging the gap between the early part of the week and the weekend to come up. If you're joining us live on Facebook, uh, YouTube, or on Twitter, be sure to comment along throughout the course of the show. We love having you a part of the conversation uh, myself and Amy Jennings, who I'm going to bring on right now, who joins me uh, via Zoom from the safety of her own home. Amy, you're rocking your red, too. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but we are rocking the caps uh, for the Nats, too, as well. The Wizards are in the playoffs. Uh, it's exciting time again. Right. No, I did. I did it on purpose. Uh, but I don't have a sweater like you. I asked him before. I called it a jersey. Um, Bobby said he calls it a jersey, too. So I'll let that one get by. You can give me a pass on that one. Um, but yeah, it's an exciting week for DC sports. I mean, I wonder if a lot of DC fans have kind of put the nationals on the back burner, at least for this past week with action and important action with the wizards and and the capitals. How are you feeling about tonight? Uh, Always nervous. I mean, playoff hockey, playoff, anything really is just the most nerve wracking thing in sports. When you're a fan, playoff hockey is probably the most fun to watch when you're not a fan of either team and you can just enjoy the speed and the pace and the talent of the game. But I mean, every Caps game, I'm just a big old ball of nerves and anxiety. So uh, it's it's fun to go through every every other day uh, throughout the course of the postseason. At least we're only playing the Bruins, who I hate so much, and uh, not the Penguins just yet. That would be even more so uh, of stress and anxiety. But, yeah, you know, I mean, I the other night really bummed me out. They should have won that game. They were three minutes away from uh, from taking a 2 nothing lead, let a late goal in, and then now going up to Boston tied 1-1. Boston's a good team. And, uh, you know, I don't think they can't, you can't give them an inch. And obviously they, they took care of that on, on, on Monday. So, uh, earlier start today, the Caps play, I think at 6.30 local time and, uh, the Nats play at 7.40 because they're still in Chicago. So that'll be helpful. Um, and then of course the Wizards lost last night. So they'll play tomorrow night at eight, uh, with a day game for the Nationals on a getaway day. So if you're a DC sports fan, some good timing works out. So you'll be able to catch a little bit of all the games and tomorrow, the full of both uh, the Nats and the Wiz, so that should be fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a stressful time. Uh, you know, got to keep obviously most of my focus on the Nationals, but got to keep one eye on either the Caps or the Wizards. Uh, luckily, there's no football going on right now because that would even be more so stressful. I know that would that'd be too much. We can kind of squeeze everything in tomorrow with all three teams, but that that would just be too much. Yeah. Who? Okay, so since you said playoff hockey so exciting, especially we don't have a team in it, obviously. What do you think's the most exciting? playoff sport or which playoffs are the most exciting in which sport i think hockey just because the pace of the game uh it's just so back and forth you can get you know six shots on goal in a span of like 30 seconds from each team and it's just like it's non-stop um the physicality is great too i think the most stressful though i mean i talk about how much stress i am for hockey baseball has the most stressful playoffs because the slow nature of the game you're living and dying with each pitch uh, any swing can change the complexity of the game. I think baseball is the most stressful, but hockey is the most exciting. And of course, you know, the NBA, uh, we, we're more college basketball fans. You and I, Amy, uh, have obviously haven't gone to the University of Maryland, big Terps fans. But, you know, obviously we'll watch the Wizards play. I think the NBA 
playoffs don't really get exciting until you get closer to the conference finals and then teams actually mm-hmm. start trying. Um, but to answer your question, I think hockey's most exciting. Baseball is by far most stressful just because it's so slow and any one pitch can change the game. That's a pretty good assessment. I think I might stay, stay the same. And I'll be, I don't, didn't watch the entire NBA season, didn't watch the entire NHL season, but playoffs are super exciting, especially hockey. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, you've been there, right? You you were there for a couple of World Series games. I mean, just sitting in, I mean, for us too, like in the press box when we're fans outside of work, but yeah, you know. Yeah, your leg's shaking the whole time. Oh, I'm my like God, biting my nails. My <laughs> knees are shaking underneath the desk. I, I can't, I mean, I'm shaking the camera right now. I can't focus on what I'm supposed to be doing for work. It's just, it's the worst. It is At least stressful. Playoff hockey, I can go as a fan and just sit and kind of watch and enjoy uh, working while also being a fan covering the Nats and the playoffs is, that's, that's tier one. That is the number one seed of stress and anxiety for your right. boy. Especially when the Nationals, especially when it goes seven games and they do it in the form that the Nationals did, that made it even more stressful. So it, w- it was a stressful series, but obviously they got that win. And maybe other D.C. sports teams will. Even too. in years past when they played game oh. five at home, you know, they played like three game fives at home over the course of between 2012 and 2017. So good gosh. I mean, it's just so many – win or go home games that you have to sit through at home has just been so stressful. It looks like the key was to play those games on the road, uh, even though I was very stressed out and anxious in L.A. too back in 2019. So, uh, yeah, again, exciting time. I mean, we're rocking our red here. I mean, I like how I love how the D.C. teams, not one, are all friends with each other, like off the field, off the ice, the court. You know, they support each other. We've seen Davey Martinez rock. Uh, his caps headband while doing his pregame press conference. I actually asked him about it yesterday because he wasn't wearing it on Monday and the caps lost. He said he did have it on pregame. He just didn't wear it for his pregame presser. So hopefully today he'll have it on and maybe they'll bring the caps some good luck. Uh, he, he needs to get some Wizards gear. He doesn't have any Wizards gear, but I love seeing the teams kind of support each other. And it helps when they're all the same color, right? They're all red, white, and blue, our nation's color. So that, that's exciting too. And you can just wear... You know, if you're not a diehard Caps fan, but you're diehard Nats fan, you can just wear your red and everyone knows you're still supporting the local team. There you go. There you go. I wonder if other cities are like that. Obviously, we see it firsthand here. Uh, I wonder if other cities have that same uh, relationship between sports. It's definitely cool. I don't want to divulge. Oh, the relationship between the the players. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know because I'm a huge like uh, uni nerd like uh the uniform uh like twitter accounts i'm all over that i love the different like jerseys and uniforms and color schemes that teams put out i yeah i agree like i i i hate the penguins i don't really care about the pirates because the nats play them what six times a year uh the steelers aren't in the washington football team division or conference so but you know it's cool that all the pittsburgh teams are black and yellow i mean that's pretty cool so it's kind of the same thing i like that teams have kind of that unity where every team from the same city has the kind of same color color scheme so you can be a fan of one or and support all of them at the same time i like that. i like that too i think that's and then cool. you catch those fair weather fans that like a team from here 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 yeah uh it, it doesn't add up so we're gonna come checking your wardrobes uh and see how your fanfare <laughs> weighs out people well we don't want to uh kind of drift too far away from the point of our podcast you know obviously our <laughs> weekly episode uh live again on facebook and youtube so be sure to comment along if you're not uh be sure to check out the podcast after the fact on apple Podcasts, spotify or google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts uh and listen to the whole thing on the audio format but um we want to talk about today because you know it it's Kind of the same old story, but we want to get a little deeper into what is going on and maybe how we can kind of fix it. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can nitpick with this team, right, Amy? I mean, they're 
uh, four games under five. No, no, six games under 500 in last place, uh, five games back in the division. So, you know, obviously not everything is going right. We're trying to figure out what can the Nationals do? What would we do to fix the Nationals? If we had a magic wand, right? If we were the genie from Aladdin and we could just fix anything that we want at any given moment, what would we do to help this Nationals team get back on track? Because it feels like we're having this conversation week in and week out, maybe except for that one episode, what was it, two weeks ago, where uh, they caught a hot streak and then cooled off really quickly. Um, But yeah, we want to try to figure out what is going on with the Nationals, how to fix it. Be sure to comment along. We're going to be talking about what you would want to fix, what the Nationals need to fix, and maybe kind of one out of left field wish that you could grant the Nationals right now to help them get back on track. Amy, this was your topic idea. I love it so much. So I'm going to let you take the reins and uh, see what you can do and what you came up with for how to fix the Nationals. All right, let's do it. Do we want to do – you want to go back and forth so we can each do our need, then each do our want and each do our wish? Yeah, so let's also kind of uh, – I guess define which is which is each, right? I kind of just went. So we're we want to go need first, right? So that is something the Nationals need to do tonight, ASAP, right now. It needs it needs to be fixed immediately. Otherwise, they have no chance. Um, a want, correct me if I'm wrong, is something that it would be nice if they could do this. They don't necessarily need to do it. They're getting by without it, but it would be nice if they also added this to their repertoire. Uh, and a wish is something, like I said, just completely, you know, it's probably not going to happen. It's, you know, wishful thinking uh, and, and something that, you know, it, we could just pick something crazy that would be nice to help this team win, right? Right. Now, that's spot on. That's okay. exactly what I was thinking. I wanted so, to make sure I got it understood before I got you all had ready it for right. this. You had it right. All right. So I'm going to start with my need. And this would be an interesting question for Davey Martinez, too. I'd love to hear what he, he would have to say. I bet he wishes he had a magic wand most nights, uh, especially here recently. Um, but my, my need is that they need to get extra base hits, and they need to do it with runners in scoring position. Obviously, that's kind of the obvious thing, but that's what's really holding them back, and that's been the difference between them winning and losing most nights. So if they need to do one thing, it's they need to get those bats going. And it's not singles. I mean – Everybody can single here and there. Everybody can get hot here and there. But it's the extra base hits, and it's doing it with runners in scoring position. I mean, just last night, they left 11 guys on base. Uh, you can't win games like that. Uh, so so that is my big need. What is yours, Bobby? So I had that as a want, actually. Um, I, I, I guess I you, you got really specific with that, right? So I, I went a little more speci- like a little more generic in terms of they just need just any kind of productive lineup, right? I don't necessarily look extra base hits and home runs, of course, help, but I think they just need to be consistently look, it doesn't matter how you score runs, right? I mean if if they score, which they did the other night, um, I think uh, was it either last night or, or Monday night, they scored on like three consecutive singles. It doesn't really matter how you score. Just score more runs and do it more consistently. I mean, we've seen them put up a good number of runs. You know, I think you score about three runs last night. You had um, Patrick Corbin pitching pretty well, get running into some bad luck. That's a game you probably squeak out. You needed one more clutch hit uh, from your lineup last night, and Davey Martinez said so. I said as much after the game. Um, but I, I think I don't necessarily think you they need to be extra base hit. That sure would be nice. But I think they just generically need more just consistent. It doesn't matter where it's coming from, how it's happening. It just needs the ball needs to fall into the ground, into the outfield, uh, into the stands, wherever it may be. I just think that uh, it's a more, way more generic kind of fix in that it doesn't have to be the big hit all the time. They just need any sort of production from this lineup consistently. And, and we're not even talking about 
you know, specifically Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber, who was the center of our discussions for a long time. It's more so just anyone. Anyone needs to come up with that big hit when they need it the most, um, and and I think that'll fall. So I don't necessarily think it needs to be an extra base hit or a home run. I just think they need some kind of production to score runs, you know, just score runs and give the starting pitcher a chance. Right, and you're right about that. And if you get runners in scoring position, you get guys on base, uh, then singles work. I think probably the issue and why I say extra base hits is because they're not getting guys on base. Um, and if you're only getting on one here, one there, you have to get those extra base hits to, to, to drive those guys in. I mean, just for an example, Juan Soto, who is supposed to be your guy, the big hitter in the lineup, and he has been a bright spot. I don't want to put him down, but he only has five extra base hits so far in 100 plate appearances. Um, that's not super great. And if they're just singling all the time or getting leadoff singles and not driving in those runs, um, that's they just have to manufacture runs any, any way they can. They're hitting just over 150 with bases loaded this, this season. So they're not hitting in – um, when they have guys in scoring position, obviously 11 left on base last night and just a bunch of singles isn't going to get the job done because they only hit twice with guys in scoring position. Um, so ideally, if everybody's hitting and your hits are falling, then you can score runs that way. And that's what they need to do. So, yes, overall, yeah, you're absolutely right. They have to get this this offense going. Um, and it's tough because, like, for example, Starling Castro had that 11-game hitting streak, and then he's gone 04 cents until his home – just his – his solo home run, which I think that was to lead off an inning. So no, no runners in scoring position um, obviously helps, but it's, it's tough to, um, to, to win games like that. I mean, ask Max Scherzer, you can give up a solo home run here and there. It's nothing hurt. Um, so the runners in scoring position, hitting with runners in scoring position is key and singles, will, singles will work, but I think extra base hits is what, what they need to fall right now. They're third to last in the league in RBI. So they're, they're not scoring runs <laughs> the way they need to, obviously. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and you know, they're uh, 23rd in the league in home runs. I think they're near the bottom in triples. Yeah, third to last in triples. And uh, they are in the bottom third in, uh, in a double. So, you know, I don't know why MLB.com stats page doesn't have an extra base hits category. but So they leave you to do the math for you. Um, but uh, if just quick glancing, it looks like, you know, if you're taking all the extra base hits, the Nationals are probably near the bottom in all the in all of baseball, which is not good. And you know, I'm not I'm not saying that I wouldn't take home runs and extra base hits, right? Obviously, that that comes in um, comes in handy. But you know, I, I think it's more of getting a hit with runner in scoring position. It's not because you know we can say home runs are great, we can say leadoff doubles are great, but if that guy's not getting in, or if there's no one on base for a home run, if it's just a solo shot. You know, it's how much damage is that really doing? I want a bases loaded, you know, bases clearing RBI single to right field by somebody. Or, you know, I want two runners in scoring position on second and third and then both scoring on a single to center or something like that. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're not seeing that right now from the Nationals. Uh, the numbers show that, you know, they're just not getting collectively uh, clutch hits. Davey Martinez, again, mentioned that last night, Tuesday night after the loss because, you know, they were in that game for – a good portion. And that's the other kind of frustrating part of this stretch right now, Amy, is that they're in a lot of these games. And we've kind of talked about this before. They're a hit or two away in a lot of these games from winning. You know, they could be 22 and 16 as opposed to 16 and 22. Uh, and in first place, if some games, if some hits uh, land uh, better than, than others in, in certain spots. So, you know, it ha- that's been a major frustrating part. You know, it's, I, I think they're going to come eventually. We're seeing this team kind of finally hit, it's slow, right? I mean, we say this every week, but it's the wheel is starting to turn, albeit very slow. 
but it is starting to turn in that we're seeing guys consistently hit. Uh, Josh Bell had a two-hit day the other night. Uh, he had a two-hit day in Arizona, I believe, at some point. So he's starting to come around a little bit. Kyle Schwarber is hitting the ball more consistently hard. We need Juan Soto to get the ball in the air more. Trey Turner is leading, you know, is, is like third in, the, in uh, the National League in home runs and leading all of shortstops with hits. Uh, he's got 50 hits already, which is crazy. So it, it's slowly but surely coming along. Uh, I just think that, you know, the big blows need to happen later in the game. That's sixth, seventh, eighth inning. You need someone to, to, you know, hit the ball hard and get through the, get through the hole and, and score some runs. Right. And that's the most frustrating thing about baseball is because it all comes down to, to timely hitting. Uh, you could out hit a team 14 to two, but if your hits don't fall at the right time with runners in scoring position, then it doesn't matter. Uh, their two hits came at the right time. So that's the frustrating thing. And that's why, you know, when you have one guy who's hot and the rest of the team is slumping, it's so frustrating because it's a team sport and they need everybody to hit. Um, and that's why, yeah, it can't just be Juan Soto or it can't just be Trey Turner. It has to be everybody. Uh, and they have to string together some hits. Uh, but obviously, if you have some extra base hits, it helps. And that's why I had for my want was guys in the middle of the lineup are hitting for power. So home runs was was my want because obviously they don't have to, um, you know, they don't have to live and die by the long ball. And they certainly haven't, except it seems like recently they're dying by the long ball. Um, it wouldn't be such a glaring issue if they weren't getting beat by home runs. But you look just last night um, and you look across the league. I mean, uh, Juan Soto only has three home runs this year. You expect him to have a lot more. It's Trey Turner, who's let off in your lineup for most of the games, who's leading this team in home runs. And then you look at the Braves, and Freddie Freeman and Acuna have 12. And you have Juan Soto, supposed to be your best hitter, only at three. Bell, just above that, at four. So if the middle of your lineup's hitting home runs, it certainly helps. Uh, but it's a want, not a need, because just like you said, singles will get the job done if you're hitting with runners in scoring position. But home runs definitely help and obviously Juan Soto is working on getting that going getting the ball off the ground and the rest of this team that's what David Martinez expressed in that press conference is frustrating is that they're hitting the ball it's just ground balls ground outs all the time yeah that's a good one it looks like we kind of flip-flopped right there so I'll, I'll kind of go further down the lineup you're talking in the middle of the lineup I'll go down further my want is I want Victor Robles to continue to hit no matter where he is in the lineup and I wrote about this for massinsports.com this morning that you know Victor Robles was the leadoff guy he was kind of the guy that was the in-house candidate to take over from Adam Eaton when he left uh, for Chicago over this offseason he was the guy that came in that seemed like a perfect candidate to take over the leadoff spot allow Trey Turner and Juan Soto to bump down the lineup. That way they also have protection from Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell, two big offseason acquisitions. Um, and I, I think that he started off really, really well. You know, he played the first eight games, I think, of the season in the leadoff spot, and he was fantastic. Um, I, I, but for whatever reason, and we never got a clear – uh, reasoning for it. I mean, it's not like he was doing well or, or terrible. He didn't deserve the demotion, if you want to call it that, but Davey started sliding him down in the eighth and ninth hole, and we saw him uh, struggle a lot uh, over that stretch. I mean, and he's only batted leadoff, I think, and starting, I think, twice since, and that was, like, you know, late April. So I, I, I think... For a long part, for a while, you and I were talking about, hey, put Victor back in the leadoff spot, right? I mean, that's where he's he's best, and I think that while that has changed for me, like I, to me, it doesn't matter where Victor is. He just needs to continue to, to produce no matter where 
he is, as I'm trying to get Victor's highlights to play, and they won't, so I'll just keep talking. Um, you know, he, he, at one point, his batting average dipped down to, like, 182. His on-base percentage was, like, just above 300. Uh, and then this past weekend occurred, and he played really well in, in uh, Arizona. He had, like, four doubles out of his five hits. He was scoring runs. He walked and got hit by a pitch more often than he struck out. So he was getting on base. So uh, it doesn't necessarily – for Victor, it can't be – lead off or bust, right? It, it can be wherever he's in the lineup, he needs to be productive. And Davey talked about it over the weekend with Victor at nine and being productive and getting on base. That helps flip the lineup over. And that is what ideally what uh, Davey Martinez has in mind when he has Victor batting ninth. You know, he flips that lineup over. That's why we often see the pitcher batting eighth as well because you basically have back-to-back leadoff guys in Victor and then Trey Turner and then Juan Soto and then your big boys. So uh, I, I, I would like... And he's doing well right now, and it's not an absolute need, but as I think this offense has gla- more glaring needs like we just discussed, but I would want Victor Robles to continue just doing what he's doing, be more patient at the plate. He said he's getting his front foot down quicker uh, so he's more ready for each pitch. He's helping to identify pitches more. He has a better feel for the strike zone. Just get on base more. The average, he, I think he's on pace for like a 240, 250-ish average. That's fine. Get that on-base percentage around 350 and above, and I think we'll have a, a solid season from Victor Robles, and this helps to line up a lot more because guys will be on base for guys like you mentioned, Juan Soto, Kyle Schwarber, Josh Bell, uh, and hopefully once they start hitting home runs, you'll see Trey and, and Victor on base for them. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point because I think we kind of forget about Victor Robles when we're talking about all the other offensive needs of this team right now. But kind of the top of the lineup is what David Martinez has been playing around with so much because nobody's necessarily standing out and it's kind of hard to lengthen the lineup when they don't have a lot of, out of the middle. Um, so it, it's been probably difficult to figure that out. And then, of course, then they're putting him in that nine hole batting the pitcher eighth to try to flip that lineup over. And if he's producing, then we turn around like we just talked about and Trey Turner's your your um, home run leader right now, then you can score some runs. And it's really important that he is producing, whether he's in that nine hole or whether he's leading off, but you're giving Davey Martinez some options because he really does have that makeup to be the leadoff hitter or in the nine hole and flip the lineup over. Um, and that could be a big difference, especially if you're only getting uh, uh, what you want to see out of Trey Turner, Juan Soto, the guys at the top of that lineup, then having Victor Robles there to set them up uh, is really key and could be a huge difference to scoring some runs and being the difference in some of these games that are just one, two, three run, three run games. Yep. Thom Constantino on Facebook agreeing or not agreeing, I guess, saying that Turner should bat third and Robles should lead off. I mean, well, I, interesting thought. I mean, I don't know how often we're going to see Trey Turner bat third. Uh, I don't know if Davies considered it, but, you know, it, again, it doesn't matter for me where Victor's hitting in the lineup as long as he's still getting on base. And, um, you know, he had a couple, a rough couple of games in Chicago to start, but I'm hoping that that Diamondback series was a turning point for Victor in, in this season and that he can just continue getting on base. He said his main goal this season is to get on base. He understands that is his job. That's his priority uh, every time he steps to the plate. It's not to hit home runs. He hasn't homered this year. It's not to drive in uh, runs. He only has four RBIs. It is to get on base. He's second in the team in walks, you know, only behind Juan Soto who's been intentionally walked at least four times. Um, so, you know, he's right there at the top of the team uh, in terms of drawing his walks. That's something we haven't seen from Victor early on in his career. He seems to be growing. And don't forget, I mean, also, happy birthday. <laughs> it stays his 26th birthday, so he is still just a young guy uh, out there playing. On, and so hopefully 
Actually, I think it's only 24. So, yeah, don't forget, he's still a young player. He's got plenty of learn. And, and I think a lot of people see what Juan Soto has done over the years and say, well, Victor's supposed to be better than him. Why hasn't Victor been doing this? And it's just not the case. I think Victor's his own player. He has his own benefit. I mean, he's a better defender. He's fast on the base path. And uh, if he can get on base at somewhat of a clip that Juan Soto does, I mean, that's just unbelievable help for Davey Martinez in this lineup in terms of scoring runs. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, don't forget his hit-by-pitches. Victor Robles yeah. gets hit-by-pitches at an alarming rate compared to the rest of the team. Uh, so he gets on base a lot like that. But he really could be a big difference in this lineup. And it seems like ever since he first came up, his his um, offensive production has been a work in progress constantly. I mean, the defense was there, obviously, aside from last year. His numbers were a little bit down. Um, but his, him at the plate has been a constant work in progress, but it does seem like some things are clicking. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's a work, he's working in that nine spot, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see him back leading off um, here if things get going for him. But obviously he has to produce um, anywhere he's in the lineup, just like everybody else. Uh, so hopefully some things click for him because he does have the potential to be a much better all-around player. Uh, he just has to get those offensive numbers um, up and getting on base is you can live with the average, but getting on base is just a huge part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And another one for me, uh, moving from the dish to the mound, is I would like a healthy Steven Strasburg back, please, and thank you. I, I think that um, it's not a need because we've seen how well Eric Fetty's been pitching in that role and how Joe Ross has pitched. Um, so, I, and, and with the, the schedule being the way it is, they, they've been able to kind of get, a, get away with a five-man, four-man sometime rotation uh, with some of the off days. Um, but I, was it so much to ask for uh, the World Series MVP back in the rotation and healthy for the first time since that postseason? I don't think that's too much to ask. And again, they don't need it right now. So that, that's a that's a plus and that he can take his time. If he's able to make a start on Friday against the Orioles and come back, great. If not, Eric Fetty's coming off the best start of his career with seven scoreless innings and uh, for the first time he's ever completed seven innings on Sunday against the Diamondbacks. So uh, I would like a healthy Strasburg, but I don't need it right now. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. And it's crazy, just four starts since that World Series, since that big contract uh, that has to be really frustrating. Um, and they've done well. Surprisingly, Eric Fetty has really, really stepped up and had some great outings um, in his place, but obviously wants Steven Strasburg back. And that kind of brings me into, so this was my wish, um, but it's kind of a big part of that is that every starter goes six innings in every game. Um, and I think that's just because obviously the rotation hasn't been flawless. There's been some rocky starts here and there, but that's to be expected. And really the bottom of, in my opinion, the bottom of this rotation is kind of overachieved this year. And obviously Max Scherzer has just been stellar. Uh, so that's combined for a really good rotation um, and some really good outings there. But the bullpen, especially as of late, hasn't been as reliable as you would like. Obviously the Wander Square outing, the Will Harris outing, especially another example of where you're dying by the long ball and you're not hitting it. Um, but if your your starters go six innings um, every game, at least you know you have a chance. And obviously scoring runs and scoring runs early is a huge part of keeping your starter in the game um, longer and just being in games. But if your bullpen's not producing um, and not necessarily holding games the way you want, then you want your starter to go longer. Probably not realistic, probably not realistic if I'm talking this rotation staying healthy, um, but that would be a wish. And I think that would really, really give this team uh, a, a boost that they need. 
That's a great wish. Um, I, I think that is, that's a perfect wish, actually, because that's something that you don't need, something that y- y- you would want, but maybe it's a little un- unrealistic to expect. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that any, obviously any team would like all five of their starters to go six innings or get at least a quality start each time out. Uh, but especially this rotation, right? You got Max Scherzer. You don't have Steven Strasburg yet. And we talk about all the time, you know, with Strasburg out, with Corbin struggling, with John Lester, you know, on the tail end of his career, uh, and with, um, you know, Joe Ross coming back after sitting out last year. Eric Fetty spent his entire career going back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen. Six innings, or at least giving your team a chance, is all you can really ask for, right? I mean, is it so much to just ask to keep the team in the game? Whether it's five or six innings, whatever it may be, you know, Davey Martinez says a lot, especially ahead of Joe Ross and Eric Fetty starts that, you know, hey, I just wish he goes out there and gives us six innings, gives us a chance to win. And that's something that the Nationals' rotation is getting a little bit better at, especially look at Patrick Corbin. Aside from last night, over his three previous starts, he's gone at least six. Uh, Twice he's gone seven. So that's Uh, That's great to see from Patrick Corbin. We're used to seeing him go around six. The fact that he's able to complete seven is a good sign because then there's only six more outs to get after he's exiting the game. I mentioned Eric Fetty pitching uh, seven innings for the first time, completing them actually on Sunday. You know, you know what you're going to get from Max Scherzer. Hopefully, Steven Strasburg comes back and, and, you know, he almost pitched like I think a complete game uh, in his only one healthy start this season against the Braves uh, in a uh, a doubleheader game uh, to start the season. So, uh, you know, I think there that there's something to be said about that, and I think it's something at least for this team, it shouldn't be that crazy to expect, right? You look at other teams across the league that don't have the starting pitching like the Nationals have. It's hard to expect that you're going to get six innings. That's why so many teams do bullpen games mm-hmm. right now. The Nationals, I don't think, have done a bullpen game yet this season. Uh, and maybe Paulo Espino made an emergency start at one point, but other than that, you know, they have starting pitchers, right? That's what they pride themselves on. And so they're expecting these guys to go out every fifth day when it's their turn and at least pitch six and give this team a chance to win. Right, exactly. And you, I don't know about hardly ever seen the Nationals go with a bullpen game, and that's because of who is in this rotation. And I was kind of going to turn this wish into what I wanted to see out of the bullpen, but it's like I don't even really want to have a conversation about the bullpen at this point because you look at how much money is tied up in that starting, in that starting rotation. Who is in that rotation – uh, you don't even want to talk about the bullpen yet, unless it's really glaringly ugly. Uh, but they, the Nationals have lost 14 games where they allowed five runs or more. Um, so that that's not really great. And granted, they're not scoring runs. They're not even getting close to five a lot of the time. Um, but you want to at least keep, keep your team in it. And if they're not scoring runs and you can't give up runs, that's kind of the nature of the game, right? Uh, so you want to see every starter have a quality outing. And yes, there's going to be glitches along the way guys are going to have rocky starts here and there uh we just saw one from john lester but at least if almost every time they're having a quality start and if it was a perfect world every single time they're doing six innings then you avoid all those issues with the bullpen um and at least your team's in it and hopefully they can score enough runs to outscore the other team uh that's all it really comes down to and it's it's crazy because we're hardly ever seeing what we call the a bullpen and well, we see Rainey more than you see Hudson and Hand, and that's because it seems like they're really only going when the Nationals have a, have a lead and are in the game to win. Um, and the Nationals don't have leads going into those late innings all that often. 
Yeah, and we talked about it last week too with um, you know hand struggling and like you know sometimes he just needs to pitch and same with Daniel Hudson he just needs to get in there and get his work in because otherwise when you really need him you know that that one time you do actually have a lead late in the game you might be a little rusty like we saw in New York uh, a couple weeks ago so something to keep in mind and I'll kind of piggyback off that it doesn't really have to deal with either the rotation or uh, the bullpen or anything. It just, I would like, and this is kind of a more, I, I have named this a need actually, but I would like uh, them to be better at home and against teams that are under 500, bad teams. They have to beat up on bad teams. And you can kind of tie this into the division too, because I talk a lot about you have to win games within your own division. You see these guys most more than any other team, uh, and, and you need to beat up. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult to climb your way uh, up the standings. But, you know, the Na- the Nationals had a good chance coming into this game. Uh, sorry, this series against the Cubs. The Cubs were technically a game under 500. So they were a 500 team, and they ob- obviously lost. They were 500 yesterday, obviously lost. So that's two losses against teams that are 500 or worse. Uh, on, on the whole, they're 8-8 eight and eight, um, against teams that are at 500 or better. Uh, for the Nationals, uh, and at home they're only nine and ten, so they're at five hundred or below in terms of their own record to get in those situations. So I, I think the Nationals need to get better at there. You look up and down the the standings, and you look at the home. Every team that's at five hundred or above or in first place, they play really well at home. You know, obviously you can't expect them to continue that on the road. I get it; the road's tough, especially now that we're traveling again. Uh, but you can take care of your business at home, and the Nationals. Uh, being nine and ten at home isn't going to cut it. They need to flip that B five hundred, and you've got two, three teams ahead of you, I believe, on the schedule. Not counting the Cubs because now the Cubs are above five hundred. But your next three opponents are at five hundred or worse. Yeah, the Orioles this weekend who are in last place. You got the Reds who are a couple of games under five hundred next week. Sean Doolittle returning to DC, by the way. You got Milwaukee who's at five hundred right now, as of right now. So that they could be below that mark uh, come. Uh, when they face them in two weekends. Uh, and then Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta is also under 500, believe it or not. They're 19 and 23. So I think that they need to do better against teams that they should beat. Now, I'm not saying they should beat Atlanta because they still have a really good lineup, uh, but they should beat the Orioles, the Reds. They, sh- you know, it might be tough, but they can probably, they hopefully can take two out of three against the Brewers. I mean, I just think that they need to be better against teams that they should be. And maybe we're getting to a point where, you know, the Nationals are one of those teams and they shouldn't beat these guys. We can have that discussion later. But as of right now, with this team still expecting to make the playoffs, they should be teams like Baltimore and Cincinnati over the next week and, and hopefully climb back up into those standings. Mm-hmm. Well, then the problem is, is when you're not winning early and you're not beating the teams you're supposed to, you put yourself in a really tough position down the stretch and you have to win these games that are games that you necessarily are are not supposed to be winning. So you put yourself in a really bad position when you don't win those games you should be winning and you don't win early on. And really the Nationals had two great chances to capitalize winning at home and winning those those games against in the division that they should be winning because, A, I mean, there's fans back in the stand. So really, teams do have a true home field advantage compared to last year when it was eh, not really so much, except for the ballparks that are obviously hard to play in. And also they have fans that these are really the last time you had a whole ballpark filled in the playoffs. They won the World Series. So these are fans that are excited, right? They're excited to get the ballpark. Um, And so they should capitalize on that winning at home. And then also the rest of the division got out to a really slow start. I mean, if any team in this division was going to run off with it early on, you would think it was going to be the Braves. Um, And they've obviously had a slow start. Uh, It doesn't take much to turn it around, but they had a slow start. And everybody pretty much in the division that they were 
you know, supposed to beat the Nationals maybe um, early on, uh, they haven't been able to beat. So that, I think that's a really good point. Um, and they need to start winning some games now so they don't put themselves in that position that's even more important, um, more crucial later on in the season. Yeah, and also, uh, this week was a perfect week to gain some ground in the division. Like I said, you're going against the Cubs, who are around 500. Yes, they're in second place, but, you know, they're, uh, you know, not, like, blowing the cover off the ball or anything. They're not a great team right now. Um, Their manager even admitting so the other day. But the rest of the division is playing each other right now. You got the Mets in Atlanta, and the Marlins are are hosting the Phillies. uh, Or, no, are, are in Philly. So, you know... There, teams have to lose those games, right? So this is a good opportunity. You know that at least two of your division rivals are going to lose at some point, and I'm pretty sure they're all three-game series, so there's not going to be any splitting there. Someone's going to lose a series right now. If you could have won three out of four in Chicago, that would have helped so much in terms of gaining some ground. They're only a game and a half back of Miami and a full game behind Atlanta. They could have seen themselves in third, maybe even closer to second place by the end of the week, Or and then you're coming home to face the Orioles. I mean... They had a really good opportunity this week to gain some ground. Dropping the first two in Chicago obviously hurts. Um, you, you know, I never want to lose two games, but you know they had chances, and we talked about too. There was chances in each of those games at some point for the Nationals to take the lead. They haven't led in a single moment in this series so far. Hopefully tonight that changes, and hopefully tomorrow afternoon game uh, they get a, a good start uh, as Joe Ross looks to bounce back on a getaway day, and you at least salvage two. But this was a golden opportunity for them uh, to gain some ground a, le- a little bit. I mean, we talk all the time. The Nationals are in last place. Blah, 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 blah. Trade mm-hmm. now. I, I don't want to hear it. There's still plenty of time and a bad division for they can climb up, and they could have easily made ground over the course of three or four days here this week. And, and unfortunately, they're not going to, um, and, and depending on what else happens elsewhere with the other teams. But, you know, it, it was a good opportunity, and, and unfortunately kind of went spoiled, and when they ha- now they have to salvage two games at Wrigley Field. Right, and it's a long season, but just like we talked about, uh, timely hits, timely wins are important too. And it's it's kind of easy to forget about that in a 162 game season. But these wins, these series wins do matter now. Uh, and I think that's a really good point that that is important for the Nationals and just getting series wins. You don't have to win every game, obviously, but just winning these series, and especially when you've, you're in the position to gain ground uh, in this division that's otherwise got off to a slow start. Yep, I agree. Win series again. We talked about that last week too. You know, take it. I know go one and zero each day, but also, you know, go two and three over the weekend. Go <laughs> three and four this week. Something like that. I mean, I know David doesn't like looking too far ahead, um, but I think we can be like, hey, you got the next six games after this week in Chicago are against teams that are uh, below five hundred, just like you, at home. Win those games. Please go out and win those games. You know, you win four out of the next six before you face Milwaukee. You put yourselves in good position. And then you have to go to Atlanta the following week, I think after Labor Day, uh, Memorial Day weekend. Um, and then, uh, you know, you have another good chance to, you know, gain some ground. You got to beat up your own teammate, uh, your own division foes, like I say. So, uh, you know, it's not over yet. And, and Chad Brinkman joining us on Facebook. He's staying positive right now. They have the talent in the pitching this season. So he's looking forward to a good turnaround from the Nationals as well. Amy, any other wants, needs, or wishes? Um, I think that's all for me. I mean, just win. Win some games here. Uh, that'll be crucial. But if I had anything else, it would be the bullpen. I mean, I, I want to see I want to see more of Hudson in hand, 
better outings from them and just an all around improvement from the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, my big wish, cause I kind of just mentioned it right now. I want to get it in before, uh, we get out of here is, is enough with the trade deadline talk for right now, please. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm just so done with it. I know that's all people want to talk about right now. When you've got a team at six games under 500, but it is May 19th. It's, it's so early in the season. Yeah, um, we, it, we're so far away from that. We're not even at Memorial Day, people. You know, <laughs> school is still in session right now. Can we at least wait till schools are out before we talk about the trade deadline at the end of July? We can't uh, even get a 7 p.m. starts on a school night, kids. We can't talk about the trade deadline. It's 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 really starting to bother me. And, and you know, I'm happy to have that conversation a month from now if the Nationals are still X amount of games under 500 and in last place. Perfectly fine doing that. But you know, for a fan base that loves to talk about 19 and 31 from 2019, they sure love to give up all very early too, which I'm which I'm kind of uh, questioning right now. How, how can people be so? quick to jump on this team and, and just give up and say they need to trade everyone uh, and start rebuilding. I mean, it's just, that's not how baseball works. Right. And you've never seen it from this team at the deadline being huge sellers. They've never gone through a rebuild really. Um, just, I mean, they're a young franchise obviously, but you haven't seen it yet. So well, why now? Uh, especially at this point in the season, um, hopefully, I mean, if, well, what if they're right on the line? You know, we don't know what, how much ground they're going to make up from now to then the long season uh, so we'll we're gonna see. have that conversation that that is coming whether it's buying or selling whatever that conversation is coming on the podcast but that will be saved for another day because it is yeah, not we, this if, day. They get, if they give us our needs maybe some ones and one wish then we this could be a completely different conversation by then like I said, like Amy, we just talked about, they're in a lot of these games. Very rarely are they getting blown out. They have chances. It's just a matter of connecting on some of these chances and making them count. And if they start doing that over the course of a week or so, again, they're only five games back. They could easily be, we, we already saw it two weeks ago. They could be in first place by the end of next week. And then what what's the conversation going to be? Oh, go all in. They need to go get uh, Trevor Story, whatever it may be. I mean, come on. Let's all relax, please, before uh, before we jump to any uh, drastic conclusions on a baseball team that's a uh, baseball season that's not even a quarter of the way done. So, um, yeah, so uh, that that's coming, of course. Uh, hopefully the Nationals kind of turn this around. They've got two more in Chicago. Max Scherzer against Jake Arrieta tonight on Mass, and be sure to tune into that. Uh, Bob and Justin Maxwell have the call. Of course, Dan Coco has pregame coverage starting at 7, a 7.40 start on Masson, so be sure to tune that in. Yes, tomorrow's a getaway day, 2.20 start. Uh, that'll be Joe Ross, I think, taking them out, looking to bounce back from his out- outing on Saturday in Arizona. And then they're coming home for the Battle of the Beltways against the Orioles, of course, uh, at home. So all those games, will, of course, will be on mass. And be sure to tune in uh, throughout the course of the week. That's your schedule lineup uh, for the rest of the week. Every day's got baseball. I can't be too mad about that. So mm-hmm. you'll have baseball up until Monday before Sean Doolittle comes back. So, of course, we'll be looking forward to Sean Doolittle returning. We'll talk about him next week on the podcast. Maybe hear from him if he talks to the media. Uh, before returning to Nationals Park for the first time. Before we get out of here, Amy, I do want to give a quick shout-out. A happy birthday to my grandmother, uh, my nana, who just turned 80 yesterday. She is a fan of the show. She listens pretty much every week. So happy birthday, nana. And happy birthday to my younger sister, Nicole. She turns, how old am I? 20? She'll be 26 tomorrow. So a lot of May birthdays in the Blanco wow, household. Wow, you have some close birthdays yeah. there. Well, happy birthday, nana. And Nicole. This is the week of birthday. I have so many birthdays this week in May. Uh, my uncle's birthday is today, too. Uh, my aunt's oh no, it was yesterday. My aunt's was yesterday. Today, 
another uncle last week. May is a birthday month for oh me. Oh my goodness. Uh, it's, it's crazy. So I'm always constantly checking my calendar to make sure I remember everybody. Check your Facebook notifications. Yeah. Make um, sure. <laughs> but uh, my, my grandmother's a big fan of, of us, uh, of you on the show. Aww. So I uh, uh, just want to make sure she uh, got, a, got a shout out on the pod before we get out of here. Amy, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate the time. Glad we color coordinated again even though we're not doing this on purpose um i really appreciate the time at amy jennings news on twitter be sure to give her a follow uh stay uh, safe amy uh, have a good week and we'll talk to you next week all right see you next week all right that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the mass and all access podcast be sure to follow the mass and all access podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, and soundcloud wherever you get podcasts you can get the mass and all access podcast you can also follow me on twitter at bobby underscore blanco uh, being covering with Mark Zuckerman, the team on MassinSports.com. So you can check out our work over there. And of course, follow Masson Nationals on all social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Masson Nationals across the board. Again, that's going to do it for the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, watching live, or catching the podcast after the fact. Subscribe, rate, share, spread the word. We really appreciate you guys joining the show throughout the course. We'll see you next week. Stay safe, stay healthy, enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you later. 